The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and today is Friday, September 10th. We're exactly 18 days away from NBA Orlando Magic training camp. What's up, Al? What's going on? 18 days away. Can you hold off that long? It's been painful, to say the least, especially the last two weeks, three weeks, that we've been so quiet, nothing really much going on. But you know what's funny? I still remember us counting down to the trade deadline, and then to the lottery, and then to the draft. And it's hard to believe that here we are, only three weeks away from the start of the season. Yeah, so close yet so far away. Um, as much as 18 days sounds like it may be really, really long. I mean, we're we're talking about two and a half weeks, man. We're we're right there. We're ready to to see what we got in the the new guys, the 20 million guards that we have. <laughs> um, and and see, you know, Coach Most take this team to the to the next level. So uh 18 days, man. It's gonna go by quick. And it's going to be long at the exact same time. If you don't feel that way, then you're not as excited as we are. That's right. All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Magic new signing of Etwan Moore. Uh, no return day for Jonathan Isaac and some over and unders. But before we get to it, um, I wanted to review some some one-on-one scenarios. All right. This is a time frame of where there's in the offseason where there's not a whole lot going on. Um, so obviously, Al and I were trying to get creative, trying to bring up some some magic topics. And and I thought that, you know, with the amount of players that we have, we have players that, you know, we're, we have a deep team in a sense, deep in, in where we have a lot of players that, you know, they're they're valuable They're You're able to play them. Um, and I wanted to group them together and get your thoughts on who you think would win on one versus one. All right. So I'm going to give you. Uh, about six different scenarios of one v one situations, and all I want to know is who you think would win first or twelve. You ready? Let's do it. All right, very first one: Terrence Ross versus Gary Harris. I'm gonna go with the Human Torch. He is uh, a little bit taller, more athletic. He can shoot it from three point range. Um, he when he wants to, he can play good defense. 
Uh, so keep on it short and simple. Terrence Ross for me. How about you? I like Terrence Ross. I would definitely go with Terrence Ross as well. Um, when we put it on social media, the fans had also said 90 to 90% to 10% Terrence wow. Ross. Um, but I mean, don't sleep on Gary Harris. I think it would be extremely competitive thing. It would be really close. They're obviously both really good shooters. Um, I would give the, the athleticism obviously to Terrence Ross, um, between the two, how can you not pick Terrence Ross? Terrence Ross is, is the longstanding, um, Orlando magician on the team. So, um, I'm giving my, giving my opponents, my opponents, my, my points and my poker chips over to Terrence. I agree. The next one. This one was interesting because I really thought that, you know, from everyone else's perspective, it'd be a little closer. But Chumo Kiki, Jonathan Isaac. Oh, I haven't seen J.I. play in such a long time. Uh, I'm still going to go with J.I., man. Um, Same thing. Similar reasons. I feel like he is taller, of course, longer wingspan, uh, a little more athletic than Chuma is. The shooting part, I give it to Chuma at, as of right now. But the overall game, J.I. got, I mean, with his defense alone, I think he can shut down Chuma. Uh, but that will be a fun game to watch. But I think, in my opinion, J.I. comes away with it. I'm going to go with Chuma Kiki just because you said mm. Jonathan Isaac, and I, I refuse to agree with you on every single one. Um, yes. <laughs> defensively, I, I feel like we could really see them both like not scoring for at least a solid you know, three, four times each with the ball just because they're so good defensively um i would give the and i, I gotta check on it but i would definitely give the the body advantage to chumo kiki um jonathan isaac he's just just really long defensive minded um better with the ball handling but I, i'll still i'll still go with chumo on that one um everyone gave let's see everyone gave uh chumo kiki 15 percent to 85 percent judah wow so so if if we go with the with the audience, I'm two and zero, so I'm beating you right now. <laughs> You're beating me. <laughs> All right, so this next one is fun. Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton. Cole and R.J. Ah uh, man, uh, I think R.J. comes away with that one. Um, again, I'm gonna go back to the same thing: more athletic, taller, lengthier. I, I feel like he he can shut down Cole. Um, it's RJ for me. I like Cole Anthony in this matchup, and everyone agrees with me. 70% Cole, 30% RJ. To me, Cole Anthony, we could see a stretch, and you probably wouldn't get it from Summer League, so don't judge Cole Anthony into Summer <laughs> League. But you could see a stretch where he just gets, you know, buckets left and right. Um, Cole Anthony, I like. He He's, I mean, offensively, he's just, he's more offensive than he is defense, right? So I, I think that driving-wise, shooting-wise, um, even being creative to the basket, I got I got my chips on Cole Anthony. Hmm. You said the age of the audience said seventy percent Cole, thirty percent RJ. Okay. All right. The Franz, the Franz brothers, the Wagner brothers. We got Franz versus Mo. I'm gonna give that one to Franz, even though he's he's a rookie. Uh, he's got more of a complete game. Uh, he can shoot it from three. I think a little bit better. Uh, more mobile, better defender. So I'm gonna go with uh, Sweet France on that one. You gotta go. You gotta go with Mo, man. It's it's the it's an older brother, and you have to imagine that Mo's been kicking that ass for the last 18 years. Bigger size, bigger body, NBA experience. He's not a rookie, um, and and the dude balled out internationally. I I gotta go with the with the bigger brother. And in my opinion, 
this isn't something that I've read or seen or confirmed anywhere. Um, but in my mind, they already battled battled it out one one v one for that number twenty one jersey and Mo won, and that's why he's getting the twenty one. That's why Franz had to give up the twenty one. What did um, what did they, the, the listeners so the, the audience? Nobody agrees, nobody agrees with me. Sixty eight Franz, thirty two percent Mo. Whatever. See? <laughs> All right, this is the phone one. This one was was really close. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. versus obviously Mo Bamba. You go first on this one. I'm I'm going Wendell. I'm going Wendell. I just see Wendell just backing it up one one v one. Take it down to the post, uh, mid range three point. Like I I see I see Wendell giving Mo the business. See, man, but you're forgetting that Mo Bamba is spending some time with Coach Mosley, getting oh stronger, God. getting better. This guy. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mo Bamba again. Three point shooting is better, more mobile, better. I feel like he's a better defender. Um, so I'm gonna give Mo. Uh, I'm gonna give Mo the edge on this one. I mean, since, since we're on on that topic, do you think that the little time that he spent with with Coach Most that we will see an immediate difference, like right off right off the bat, first game, second game, first two weeks? I think so. And the reason being is he keeps he keeps talking about Mobamba. That is keeps talking about motor and motor. That was that's what he's working on. I can so see that being coach mostly getting on his ear saying, hey, I've been watching you. I, I've watched plenty of tape on you. Everyone knows that's what you got to work on. And I don't know why. Maybe Clifford did it. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But I can tell that coach mostly wants him to succeed, whether it's in Orlando or somewhere else. And I think he wants him to, to fix that aspect of his game. So I think that will make a huge difference. And I hope that Mo takes it seriously. It's a contract year. We need it uh, as well. So that's my thoughts on that. I think so too. I think that you you would have to come into it with with an energetic mindset, fresh start, new beginning. This is the it, when when players when things don't go well for a player for a while. Um, it, so very similar to, maybe not the same level, but Ben Simmons, right? He just wants a brand new environment. He just wants to change everything. Nothing was going right for him in his opinion in Philly. Wants to leave. I feel like maybe possibly, you know, Mo could have had that mindset. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's getting a new environment, new coaching, a new coaching staff, I, I think that he's going to have that opportunity to still have the same effect where, you know, things will be brand new for him. So we'll see. I'm still going with one Dell versus Mo first to 12. What did the, uh, the audience say on that one? So the audience on this one said, dun, dun, dun. 53% Wendell, 47% Bamba. Okay. Yeah. It so was close, though. It was very close. Very close. Did I win or did you win? I won. Well, do we have one more or that's, that's it? That's the last one. Oh, man. So I won. I was so going to this add, game. In this game, I won. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was going to add Clifford versus Mosley, but can we kind of already knew where that was going to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, just recently, they did report. Um, the Orlando Center reported that, you know, there's no exact return date for Jonathan Isaac from his injury. Are you concerned? Are you are you surprised? Why? Why is it that it, we're looking at way over a year already and we still don't have a return date for Jonathan Isaac? First of all, there was a WNBA player and I, and I apologize. I don't remember the name who tore her ACL recently. And if I'm not mistaken, it was four months before she was back on the court playing again. J.I., 
hurt himself last August. So by the time training camp kind of actually let's call it preseason starts, it'll be 14 months since the injury happened. So a year and two months. That's more than enough time for us to see J.I. back on the court. Um, from the front office perspective, coaching staff perspective, J.I. himself, I think they're just downplaying it. The way that's the same way they did it with Markel, where they were like, hey, we don't know his shoulder. He'll be back sometime mid-season, December. And then all of a sudden, he was ready for, for training camp. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting an announcement from the Magic sometime between now and training camp where they'll say J.I. has been cleared to return to the court and do all basketball activities. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play 30 minutes a night, but he'll be out there come preseason, I feel, and start getting minutes from the tip. I mean, that that just, it wouldn't make any sense otherwise to me, unless there's some other issues that we don't know about. Yeah, so when when we posted um, the report that Jonathan Isaac, there was he, he didn't know his return date or there's no return date set for him. A lot of people were upset. A lot of people were calling J.I. a bust. People were saying that he's injury prone. Y'all need to relax, all right? This is expected. We all know that our front office, they don't put a timeline on anybody. They're mm-hmm. not going to say a date. They said the exact same thing about Markel Fultz, where they said that we don't know when he's going to play. And then he ended up being ready for the start of the season. That's right. And I'm not saying Jonathan Isaac. I'm not saying that I think that Jonathan Isaac is going to be ready in the beginning of the season. I just want to be surprised if he's ready to play in the beginning of the season. I, I don't buy any of this information because um, our front office is not one to tell us anything. What what benefit what benefit would the front office have to say Jonathan Isaac's ready to go day one? Exactly. We already saw videos of Jonathan Isaac, um, you know, out in uh, in the Carolinas working out with the team. We we already saw him out and about, you know, putting work in. We we heard reports that. You know, he's feeling a lot better. He doesn't have that cast. He's walking around. Like, I, I think that we are going to get a healthy Jonathan, knock on wood, a healthy Jonathan Isaac this season. If it's not in the beginning of the season, that's fine. There's there's no rush. We're not winning the NBA championship next year, right? And there's absolutely no rush. Whenever they feel like they're ready for him to be on the court, they'll do that. Everyone has been, like, really, really big criticizers on – you know, the 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 training staff and the medical staff and and if you rut and everyone wants Jonathan Isaac on the floor now, 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 and then something happens, then who y'all mad at? Take yeah. your time. Not a big deal that we don't have in a date. Um, we'll end up finding out eventually. Just relax. Now let me ask you, do you expect something to come out before the uh nope. training camp? Literally zero. Zero. And I even imagine or I'm preparing myself to hear during training camp, Jonathan Isaac being left out of certain workouts. Really? I'm preparing for that mentally. See, I'm the opposite. So I'm thinking he'll be there. He'll be working out. But then again, I think your approach is better. That way you're not let down if he's not out there for whatever reason. He may he may do a whole entire training camp, no problem, ready to go. I just wouldn't be surprised if for precautions, say they keep him out. When he does get the green light to play. We already know that they're going to put restrictions on his minutes. We know that that's going to happen. Yep. I think that we just need to alter our our thought process of what we want compared to what we should expect. Yeah. All right. Now, Robin Lopez has been officially introduced to the media. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the introduction. Um, I know that you have. What were your thoughts on you know Robin Lopez and and what he had to say about joining the Orlando Magic? 
First things first, I was surprised it took that long for the Magic to actually introduce him. Uh, from August, whatever it was, 4th, 5th, when he was signed, almost a month and change went by before he was actually introduced to the media. Uh, but first things first, guy's a fun guy. Uh, one of the pieces in the in the actual introduction, Stuff made an appearance. Welcome him to welcome him to Orlando. And there was a little bit of... In the press conference? A, oh, yeah. And there was a little bit of a back and forth there. But you can tell there'll be a lot of fun happening between uh, Robin Lopez and stuff in the, this season. In the press conference? Yep. Yep. Has that ever happened before to it, like any player? It has not. So you you gotta watch. I won't I won't spoil it for you, but you gotta watch. You already out, you already spoiled it. You gotta see what happens. It's, it's already it's already done. All the listeners but, right now that didn't watch a press conference, now they're gonna want to watch it, but now <laughs> it's spoiled. Thanks, Al. <laughs> they gotta watch it. That, that's my 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 takeaway. Now, on the basketball side of things, he said all the right things. You know, one of the things that I really, really like to hear was that he knows his role really, really well. Um, the coaching staff has made it clear what his role is going to be. Um, he himself compared himself to a utility man or a relief pitcher in baseball, saying, I'm here. I'm here to train and develop these young guys. But when needed, just like relief pitchers do in baseball, I'm going to come in and do my best and, and you know, earn some minutes. Um, he also wants to play. He made it clear. He wants to play. But he understands his role and what his mission is with this team at this moment. Um, so that to me was important. Uh, I, I remember when he was first signed, and people were saying, "Oh, that's a bad sign for Mobamba. That's a mess. That that just means that he's going to play over Mobamba." And again, I I never thought of it that way. I always thought at his age, with his experience, his role was going to be to come in and develop these young guys to become better players overall. So bottom line is, he said all the right things. Seems like a great teammate. And someone who understands his role, I think it's important for us because the last thing we want is vets to come in with the mindset of, I want to take minutes away from these young guys and shots away. We know what our, our team is all about right now, development. So I'm glad he's on board with that. Yeah, I I think that, you know, e- even with the report from ESPN when they had their articles of grading, you know, best and worst offseason uh moves and and listing, you know, best and worst fits, and they listed, you know, uh, Robin Lopez as a bad fit for the Orlando Magic. I think is a great fit. I think that, you know, he with with Mo Bamba with Wendell Carter, they they've had some some injury challenges, and he's definitely someone that you can plug and play in there. And he's a big body dude, weighs two hundred and eighty one pounds. Like Wendell Carter is is two seventy. Mo Bamba's around the 230, 240. Like this dude is going to be able to push people around. Um, and, and I always said that, you know, every team needs an enforcer and Robin Lopez may not have like, you know, the James Ennis type mentality of an enforcer, but he ain't no pushover either. Yep. Like he's, he's going to go in there. He's, you've seen him battle it out with other big men and, and throwing elbows and whatnot. And I think that, you know, he, he is a perfect type of vet, um, for this team. And I think that at the very least, you know, battling out in practice every single day, you know, that's that's only going to help out Wendell and Mobamba. Yeah, and that's what he said. He's like, you know, he, he can't wait to get on the on the practice court and start teaching these guys. Um, and like you mentioned, from there, that's what you get. See, the team as a whole to get better, um, especially the big guys. I think that that's something that we need, and it's who's going to be there to push them around, to get in their head, so they can then go ahead and use it in the game to their advantage. Um, so one thing I like that he said is, over the years with rebuilding teams that he's been a part of, he's noticed when a, a shot is made against a young guy, the first thing they do is they ha- they hang their heads. His message to the young guys is, 
keep your head up, run back, and score the ball. With our team, that's perfect. We have a young guy, a young team that's going to be pushing the pace. You need a vet telling you that. Call Anthony, he got scored on. Don't hang your head. Get the ball and push it right back and, and, and make a basket again. So to hear that from him again, that leadership, it's what we needed. So I feel like this is a, a move that we are going to look back and say, hey, man, like the front office, once again, did the right thing. They brought a guy in here with the right mindset, the right mentality. It's going to pay off. Yeah, and I and I think that he's uh, the perfect age for it because he's not like an extremely old vet. He's 33 years old, um, which made Terrence Ross really happy because now <laughs> Terrence Ross isn't the oldest man on the roster. Um, but I think that, you know, when you take a look at Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, uh, Robin Lopez, and we'll talk about each one more in a little bit. But I think that, you know, with the vet group that we have there um, in, in combining, you know, the young vets in now Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, um, and they include Michael Carter Williams in there. I think that that's a really good group that, you know, they'll not only be able to connect with the really young players, um, but still be able to push them around and and make them better on a on a day to day basis. So I'm excited for Robin Lopez. Who isn't excited for Robin Lopez? I'm excited just to go to the, to the arena a little bit earlier than normal to see what him and stuff are going to be doing. That, that's just I'm excited. Man, for that. they are going to put <laughs> on a show. Like how how does that work for for Robin Lopez? And maybe I didn't pay too too much uh, close attention to you know how he interacted with his own mascots, but we always saw him battle out you know other people's mascots. It, it's just is it going to be just Robin Lopez and stuff like every game just pulling pranks on each other like. Stuff is already entertaining as it is at the end. If you've never been to an Orlando Magic game, stuff is like legit the the most entertaining thing to watch outside of the actual basketball game. Like forget the halftime show, forget everything else. Like all eyes on stuff during timeouts, during end of quarters, halftime. Like he is that dude. So now you combine that with Robin Lopez. Like it only makes sense. Yo, Robin gonna Lopez be- is going to be a fan favorite so fast. So he fast. is. And I got to tell you, I remember every time that Rob, Robin Lopez comes to Orlando as, as an away player visiting Orlando, there was always pranks going on between him and stuff. Stuff can prepared with signs and things. He would uh, tape things on his back when he was doing uh, layup lines. So this goes back a long time ago. So it's going to be exciting to see what they come up with this season. But again, that alone makes it exciting to go to games and just see what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully there's not a truce anytime soon. All right, moving on. Matt, the Orlando Magic ended up signing another player. We are we were surprised because we thought that they were going to really leave that that roster spot open, but they decided not to, and they ended up signing Etwan Moore, and they're bringing back Etwan Moore to the Orlando Magic. He's back. Um, he's back. Uh, first and foremost, what are your initial thoughts, and then how do you feel about it afterwards? So, initial thoughts: We were just texting me and you, getting the agenda together for today's episode. I'm like, man. We're going to have to get creative. There's nothing really much going on unless something drastic happens. Immediately after. And literally like two minutes later, Woj tweeted that we had signed uh, more to a, a one-year deal. Um, the way that I feel is the same way I felt with the um, Robin Lopez signing. I'm not reading too much into it. I don't expect him to play very much. He's a shooter, so that's exciting. We need a shooting. Um, but he's another guard. And I think the main reason why we brought him in is because uh, MCW is not going to play very much during training camp and early on in the season. So it gives us a body to have in practice to run around and, and kind of push the young guys around. Um, but again, it's a vet. He was in the NBA finals last year with Phoenix. He's traveled around the NBA. And by all accounts, I think it was JJ Redick in a, in a podcast recently who said one of the best teammates he's ever had. 
Um, so to hear that from JJ Redick, a guy who's known to be a great teammate, a great locker room presence, a great vet, it says a lot. Um, age wise, almost the same age as Robin Lopez, 32 years old. So in that in that age group where he can still play, but he is in that part of his career where he's kind of winding down and becoming now a locker room presence. Yeah, you can view this a couple of different ways. Um, a lot of people were upset. They're like, why? Why do we have so many guards? Um, do you remember the season when we barely had any guards and now we're complaining about having too many guards? I, I get it. But, I mean, look, you already mentioned it. MCW, he's going to be out. He just had surgery not too long ago. He's going to be out for some time. You want to be able to have veteran presence to kind of you know, fill that gap. Um, also, this uh, gives the, the Orlando Magic the the leeway to not have to rush Markel Folds back, which with this signing leads me to believe that it might be a little more time than, than we're expecting to bring uh, Markel Folds back. And that's fine. Again, why are we rushing? We shouldn't be rushing at all. So I, I'm actually excited about the, the each one more signing. He is someone that, you know, used to play with us back in 2012, played for, with us for what, two seasons. I think it was like from 2012 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's going to be a, another good fit. I mean, you mentioned it, 32 years old, another vet um, that can play multiple positions. And, you know, he's a good character guy already familiar with the organization and, you know, has had bringing that experience that he had from Phoenix last year. You know, imagine him being in the ear of Jalen Suggs. Like, listen, when I was playing with Chris Paul, Chris Paul, you know, yep. did this. This is how much work he put in. Um, he viewed the game this way. You know, he's able to speak to them on a different level because he has, you know, those experiences. So I think that it's going to be overall really, really good um, for the team. It's a really good vet to add. Yeah. And the funny part is, so people are saying, you know, too many guards, too many guards. The first thing I did was I went to uh, 82games.com. If you guys haven't checked out this website, it basically breaks down the amount of minutes players spent on certain positions um, while, while they're playing on the court. And Etuan Moore, last season, I believe it was 64% of his minutes came at the small forward position. So even though he's 60, uh, 6'4", so a little bit undersized, kind of like Gary Harris, he played mostly that small forward position. Uh, again, he can shoot it. He's pretty fast. He's an okay defender. So that allows him to play that position. So again, the Magic are going with a team that has pretty much guards, forwards, and a couple of big guys. And then it's like, we'll figure it out out there. Well, there's no positions in our team. We're going to figure it out. And that's today's NBA. So again, if, if injuries do happen, God forbid, we don't want those. But if they do, each one more can slide right there and help out at the one, two, or three. And hopefully he sticks to that number 55 because just being able to see Cole Anthony rock 50, it's one more rock 55. You got two guards on the court at the same time with, you know, 50 numbers. I think that, you know, this got to be like the only time that's ever happened, right? That'll Maybe. be weird <laughs> yeah, yeah, for guards. All right, let's get into some over and under. Jonathan Isaac, let's say that he's healthy. Let's say he's back. We're good to go. Do you think that Jonathan Isaac will average – more than 18 points per game. Now, the major portion of our offense, it's uh, we we don't have that now, right? There's no uh Nicola, there, there's no Vooch, uh no Evan Fournier, no I mean do we do we mention Aaron Gordon? Yeah, no Aaron Gordon. There's none of that. So who's gonna be dropping that money? Who's gonna be scoring that many points? Could if John healthy, Isaac be that guy? Could he make could he average 18 points a game? If healthy. G.I. is that guy. I really, really feel the keys have been basically given to G.I. to say, hey, you are not only our main guy on defense, we're going to give you the ball to on the offensive end and let you create. 
four years, unfortunately, the injuries have, have not allowed us to see this. But we keep hearing from the front office that his offensive game has taken a major leap. And we saw glimpses of it at the bubble last year where you were like, wait, this is not the J.I. that got hurt before January. Like, he looks totally different. And for years, we've heard some KD comparisons, not even close. I mean, I don't, I don't even think we're going to call him to even 50% of what KD is on the offensive end. But even 50% of KD, I'll take that on the Orlando Magic. So if he can score and he has the ability to, this is the season to show it. Because again, the ball will be on his hands a lot. And not only that, we have guards that are facilitators. Jalen Suggs is an offensive first, uh, a pass first point guard. Markel Fultz is as well. RJ Hampton, as much as you want him to be a little more selfish, he facilitates. Cole Anthony is the only one that I think looks for his shot a little more than, than the other point guards. So with that being said, I can see it being realistic, but the major but is the health. That's what may get in the way. I don't see him scoring 18 points a game. I would love for him to score 18 points a game. I think someone needs to step up and be be the face of the franchise. And why not Jonathan Isaac? Um, this is a player that, you know, was making a really strong case early on to being, you know, all NBA defense. Um, could he get back to that? I think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there was always concerns with him in the past, the shooting ability. You know, he took a lot of shots in that corner, and a lot of times we didn't see those shots go in. But we've seen reports that, you know, Jonathan Isaac is still working on the shot during the injury. Markel Foles is still working on the shot during the injury. We might see a different Jonathan Isaac in the terms of, you know, a better shooting capabilities. Um, but I think putting that pressure on him of scoring 18 points a game, I just, I don't see it happening. I honestly, this might be a hot take, but I, I can see that coming from, you know, well, and we're going to talk about that next, but I, I can see that coming from Suggs straight off the bat. But it's because we we can see him easily scoring. He's he's used to scoring. Jonathan Isaac come is coming from a from a defensive background, um, and I think that if we can get that same level of defense from Jonathan Isaac, I would prefer that level of defense than the eighteen points a game, in my opinion. Makes sense. If we if we get both. True. Perfect. Awesome. But if not, I'll take the defense. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the health is maybe the main issue, but last time we saw him play a full season, 2019, when we made the playoffs, in 28 minutes a game, he averaged 12 points a game. Shot 34% for three-point range. So if you add to that maybe a few more minutes a night, he only shot, I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me, unfortunately, but he didn't take many shots. So I think if you add to that another five to six shots a night, a couple more free throws, you're right there. Again, if the health component is there, I can see it happening. But again, it, it like you said, if the focus will be for him to be a leader on the defensive end and that's it kind of, then yeah, I can see Suggs and other guys kind of take that and run with it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, because before he got injured in the bubble, we saw a very aggressive Jonathan Isaac, a very mm-hmm. aggressive Jonathan Isaac, where he was he was looking for his shot and he was being effective with with his his shot selections. So you bring up a good point. So, I mean, obviously, he's going to have the opportunity where the ball is in his hands more. Um, and it's a possibility. I just I'm not there yet. Like I, I got to watch, you know, a couple of games before before I make any rational, you know, opinions on it. 
So I so I found it just real quick. I wanted to bring this up. So he took nine point eight shots a game in 2019, his last full season. And that's when he averaged 12 points a game. So if he's shooting 15 to 18 shots a night as the number one option for the Magic, again, you, you might see that scoring be closer to the 18 points a game. Again, would it be over 18, though? I'm not sure, but it could be 17.5. It could be 17, 16. It all depends on his three-point shooting. And I mean, I mean so, somebody, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Somebody is scoring more than 18 points a game. Yeah. We'll find out who. Jalen Suggs. Will Jalen Suggs average more than 15 points a game? Ooh. Uh, 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 um, that's a good one. And this one is all about, is he starting game day one? That, to me, will be the major factor here. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go over on that one. Um, mainly because I think Jalen Suggs is his starter day one. Whether Markel is healthy, whether he's not, doesn't matter what happens. Jalen Suggs either going to be the point guard or shooting guard for the Orlando Magic game one. So based on that, knowing that we need scoring and that we need somebody to shoot the ball and kind of take the lead, I can see him being more aggressive on the offensive end than he was in Gonzaga. And he knows that already. So I can see that being an over easily. 100%. Man, I got this dude winning rookie of the year. I know that, you know, we've had our conversations and, you know, you're you're weighing heavily on, on Jalen Green doing it, but... um. I think that the difference would be that we're we really are. I mean, how how long into the season do we just say, "Hey, Jalen, take the keys, drive off"? You know, it, it it gets to a point that you know people force that onto the team that you know there's there's no other way of looking at it. Markel Fultz did that. Jonathan Isaac did that at one point, and I can definitely see that with Jalen Suggs. I can really really see him scored you know, over the 15 points per game. And, and I know that it's hard to really compare it to anything, but, you know, he proved that he can be an aggressive player in the summer league. Now we kind of have to wait and see for that to really translate over. But I like the fact that, you know, he's a player that can shoot from behind the arc, can hit you with the mid-range, can drive and penetrate. He's aggressive. You know, we talk a lot about the, his football you know, background and how that, you know, is able to support him on, on the basketball court. Um, but he's he's going to be someone that can do a little bit of everything. And I think that scoring 15 points a game, you know, that that's the bare minimum for this kid. So I'm, I'm going to go over on that one. Yeah. And I think one other thing to consider there, too, is he comes with that, that brand, right? Jalen Suggs, Gonzaga, the, the crazy shot he hit in the Final Four. I think he'll be a respected rookie with the NBA referees. Uh, I think he'll get a little more calls than the typical rookie. And I think that will help that scoring. So if he can average, you know, three to four points a night from the free throw line, I can see him making four or five shots a game, a couple of three-pointers, and all of a sudden, you're at 15 points a game easily. Absolutely. Over and under, Mo Bamba will average more than two blocks a game. Two blocks a game for Mo, playing more minutes, I can definitely see that happen. He better do that in his sleep. Like... It, that's 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 a that's a part that when it comes to Mo Bamba, you expect him to do those things because he has the physical tools to do that. He's he's agile. He has really long arms. Uh, the the wingspan is insane. You know he because it's not. And, and here's the thing: that it's not just about 
having the physical tools, but it's also like understanding where to be. Your positioning is really, really important. Are you in the right place so that you're able to support your team on the defensive end to be able to anticipate shots, to be able to get off the floor quick enough? And I think that he he does have those tools. Um, I don't have to stand in front of me, but you know, he averaged what what was it? I, I gotta pull it up, but so just so you, I think you're looking for that information right now. But 2018, mm-hmm. 1.4 blocks in 16 minutes. 1.4 in 2019 in 14 minutes, 1.3 last season in 15 minutes. Okay, so we're we're right there. Right there. We're right there. And this is going to be with a more motivated Mobamba. This, this is going to be with a more uh mostly influence Mobamba. This is going to be on a contract year Mobamba. Um, if if especially coming from Coach Most, where we know that he is defensive minded, defensive first. Uh, if you want to get on that court, you're going to get on that court leading by defense. And I think that by spending that time with them early on, um, by being a part of training uh, of summer league camp, I think that, you know, he knows that that's going to be a major focus and I can easily see him um, going over. Not much, but definitely over. Yeah, I agree. All right. So what about Franz Wagner? Do you see Franz Wagner averaging more than 10 points a game? Over under. Under on that one. I just don't know his role opening night. I don't know where he's going to be. Is it going to be? I can see him from uh, starting at the three. Just like I can see him right in the bench behind Chuma Okiki and and whoever else. uh, Terrence Ross at the three and four. So I don't know. I don't know what his role is going to be. So I think I need a little more time to figure out this answer. But at the time being, because of that uncertainty, what his role is going to be, I'm going to go under. This one's hard. This one's hard because, you know, they, it, all the other reports that we were reading, um, the articles, they were saying that, you know, the summer league wasn't really designed for a player like Franz Wagner. That he's more of an actual real in-game um, type player, that he does all the little things. I don't think that he will average the 10 points per game. So I'll agree with you. I'll go under. But I think that by midway and over, I can definitely see it. I think after the trade deadline, whenever we get rid of Ross, Harris, whatever we're going to be doing. Why are, we gets, trying, why are we trying to get rid of Terrence Ross? It, it's either him or Harris. But one it's, of, one it's, or the other. But it's the verbiage that you, that you use is <laughs> get rid of them. Why, so why, we, we why trade, are we doing that? Once we trade for assets. There you go. <laughs> I think that... Uh, it's, it reminds me a little bit of Chuma Okiki, right? After that line, Okiki became kind of the focus on the offensive end. Like, hey, go out there and show us what you got. And we saw some good moments of, of Chuma after that trade deadline. France, I expect him to get a lot more minutes after that line once we trade some of those wings forward that are getting his way right now. And by then, I think you can see France kind of shine a little more. Like you mentioned, all you need to do is hit some threes and cut to the basket for some easy layups, which he can do really well. So as long as he can do that, within the flow of the offense, he can be successful. Again, he's not going to shock you, uh, and, you know, and create one-on-one and, and, and cross over people. That's not his game. But the smart things, hitting the open shots, cutting to the basket, that will get him points easily on this team. Yeah, yeah. I see him as, out of all the players on our team, he's Mr. Fundamental. He's going to be the guy that does all the little things that can really impact the game without having the ball in his hands. That's one of the main reasons why we ended up drafting him um, over other players that I won't name because it breaks Al's heart. Um, (laughs) um, I I think that he will end up surprising a lot of people. 
I got to say, one of his comparisons <clears throat> have been Gordon Hayward. And if he some way, somehow can become Gordon Hayward three years from now, my goodness. That's, That's the thing. Say. Like they're they're all calling him sweet frauds and and having these little nicknames for him. Uh let's not let's not jump too far into that because this dude can easily come out and, and be a monster. Imagine if this guy ended up being like the best player in the draft. Not saying Dude. that he is, not saying that he will. But what if? That would be insane. Like, I'll be even happy with him with him being the best player between the five to the fifteenth pick, which would include Kaminga, it would include Moody, Book Knight. If and, out of that group he becomes a better player, which many people thought he could be. Again, the Warriors supposedly heavily debated drafting him on number uh, number seven. So if at least out of that range of players he can become the best one, man, we, we got a steal. We pretty much got the fifth and sixth pick in the draft in, the, in that scenario. And I think that that's something that I will be, you know, keeping a close eye on. <clears throat> it's It sucks because you really don't want to compare your players. But Jalen Suggs, I'm always going to compare him to um, Scotty Barnes. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying compare them, but just because the Raptors are so, like the Raptor fans are so hyped about Scotty Barnes that they don't care about Jalen Suggs. They're so happy now that, you know, they passed up on Jalen Suggs to draft um, Scotty Barnes that I'm going to watch their careers together and compare them year one, year two, year three. Yeah, but I can also see myself doing the same thing <clears throat> with Franz and um, with with Moses Moody and also Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga was literally one pick before us. And what is our track history with missing out on players one pick before us? Yeah, I think that the thing with Kaminga is going to be he's going to be on national television so much uh, with the Warriors. I, th- I think they play 41 games on national television. So and Do he's they playing with really 41 games as ridiculous. Yep, them and the Lakers are like number one. Um, but the point here is if he can get minutes on that roster, he's gonna be getting layups and dunks all day long with Clay and Steph. So it's gonna be unfair to 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 France because again, France is getting what two games on national television, four on NBA TV, whatever it is. It's it's unfair in that sense. So Kuminga will be more of a national name uh because of the Warriors, but then again, he has to earn it. He has to go out there and show what he can do. I I, I don't know. I, I see Franz getting a lot of minutes. I think that there's a lot, there's too much invested in him. <clears throat> and there's too much of a risk of him not working out. Like Jalen Suggs, not a whole lot of risk. Because literally, like who else do you pick at that pick other than Jalen Suggs? That was the you safest pick, you know, in the whole entire draft. Because even number one, you could have went, you know, Cade, Jalen, you don't know. Number two, you could have went Jalen, Mobley. You know, you could have, you could have, they could have went that route if they wanted to. And people would probably be upset, but they wouldn't have been like, oh, fire this dude, right? But number eight, like you had a lot of options. And between the, the, the statistics that you're paying for, the analytics that nobody else has that you have in your corner to... <clears throat> the scouting, the the everything that went into it, you know, there was a decision made to to make a risk, a risky move on fronts. I do believe that that's going to end up panning out. I do believe that eventually we're going to look back and be like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we did that. I just hope that on top of that, this is also a player that ends up being better than Jonathan Kaminga and Moses movie. Hopefully. Yeah, that, that's Maybe. the hope. All right, so now let's let's debate a couple of topics because these these are a lot of questions that end up popping up um, with with our fan base. All right, so the very first one, 
<clears throat> this one's interesting because there's been a lot of comparisons, right? Rob, Rob Hennigan, he had, you know, his young players that he drafted. Oladipo, Aaron Gorn, Alfred Payne. Can't believe I said Alfred Payne. <laughs> and then you have our front office with the young core of Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, and now, you know, them trading for Markel Fultz and, and others. RJ Hampton. Who do you think had the better young core? Rob Hennigan or Jeff Waltman? Now, keep in mind, okay, we're not just looking at Oladipo, AG, and Alfred Payne. We're also looking at Vooch. That was a part of that. We're also looking at Tobias Harris. With that, with those five players, you have now Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz. Uh, we'll throw in RJ Hampton, Wendell Carter, Chumo Kiki. Who had the better young core? Or is it still too early? I mean, it's, it's still too early. I mean, we, we know what happened with the with the Rob Hannigan era, right? We know what the players turned out to be. They None of them succeeded in Orlando. So it's easy to now look back and say, our current players, because we, we don't know. that They're up in the air with, with the future still out there. All the hope is there. But I will say the collection of players that we have now, I don't know. They're more mainstream players. They, they, they went into college or international highly, highly rated from RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. They're all guys that were projected to be top five picks, top seven picks. You cannot say the same with our previous uh, young court that we had. Even like Elford Payton was, was picked ninth. But man, I don't know about you. I, as a front office player, I don't know. I would have never done that myself, like drafting him ninth. I just wouldn't. Um, Oladipo, we loved him to death. But we know out of college, he had no offensive game. It was all about defense. AG, same thing. So I feel like our current build of young players, there's more hype around what they can do. There's more uh, higher ceiling than what I think our previous younger players had. Um, it's easy to say again, say it now that we we know what happened with the older guys. But I really feel that like there's more of a higher ceiling with our current guys. It, it, it's I really and and I I might get backlash for it. I don't, I don't care. I really like that team. Like I really like the Rob Hennigan team that we had, the young core that we had. They were really fun to watch. I like the Tobias Harris. I like the Victor Oladipo. I like the Aaron Gordon. Things would have been completely different. Where things really went wrong is Mario Hizonia. Like that was that that missing. Like mm, if we would have got that right. You know, we we definitely would have been a little more so. Like, imagine not having Mario Hazonia, and instead we got Devin Booker. Uh. Like that that changes it like completely. Rob Hennigan still might be the GM. Like, <laughs> yeah. who knows, right? But when you when you take when you take a step back and you look at it, Vooch ended up being an All Star. Tobias Harris, an All Star. Victor Oladipo, an All Star. Who knows what would have happened if we would have kept Sabonis in All-Star. And granted, we can argue that certain things impacted that Tobias Harris moving to another team, Victor Oladipo getting the experience for Russell Westbrook. I get that. I hear all that. Right? That still doesn't change the fact that they did become All-Stars. I think that it's still too early to tell with what we have because there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Can we stay healthy? Can Jonathan Isaac end up being the player that we believe he will be 
can Markel Fultz really continue to grow and improve? You know, RJ Hampton, can he grow another three inches? Like, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, I think that when it's all said and done, yes, 100%. This team that is being created right now will end up being way better than Rob Hennigan. Um, but at the same time, you know, we we have to wait to let that play out. I think that if we compare the young player era, then definitely. Jeff, you know, we we did solid. I think that we definitely have a way better young core. I do think that we have to wait it out and see how things play out, but I definitely think we do. Yeah, because I mean, a good point you make. I mean, out of that young core that we had back then, what do you mention? Four All-Stars? Do you expect out of this young core that we have to have three to four All-Stars come out, whether that is in Orlando or not? I hope so. I mean, it better be in Orlando. Hopefully, right? It's 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 hard. It's so hard to, because who who are we talking about? You know, I can see I can see that in Jonathan Isaac. I can see it in Markel Folds. I can see it in Jalen Suggs. That's a, I honestly, I'm gonna be honest. There, I think that's about it. Honestly, like I, unless somebody takes a major leap that I'm not expecting. I don't see all star potential in, in, in anyone else at this moment. Now I, I see I see it. RJ Hampton is on that border for me because he really yeah because he really didn't he he didn't have the opportunity in Denver. He got the opportunity in Orlando and he took that opportunity and ran with it. You know and he's going to get better. I can see it, but it's it's just it's hard when when you take a look at. You know, the, the players in the East right now, is there enough room for the Orlando Magic players? Not right now. And I think you made a point about, well, so back in June, July, saying the East is getting older. Like, you know, it's the KDs, the Hardens. You know, it's a lot of players that are 30, 33, 34. Um, I think as the Magic players keep getting better and develop into what they'll become when they be, when they hit age 25, 26, that, that's their prime that face of the East is going to be either retiring or now they're going to be too old and, and playing a less of a role in their team. So I think at that point, that's when you can say, hey, this guy's going to step up and be and be all-stars and maybe sneak in. Um, but I feel I feel like the young guys now fit better. I feel like we've heard this before, that Hennigan era, they all they were the man. They all thought they were the number one option. There was no clear-cut definition of who is, what were the roles. They just thought we were the, were the man, all of us. And that led to issues. They became all-stars, not in Orlando, because, again, you can't have three, four all-stars in one team. That would never work. Then again, it, it did elsewhere. So hopefully with these young guys, they can develop together, stay together, but also know their roles, because if not, it's not going to work. I agree. Let's see what happens. Jalen Suggs, will he be the starter on day one? Straight out the gate. Should be, especially in a season where... We're, we know we're not playing for the fifth seed, the, the fourth seed. We, If we're lucky, we're playing for a playing tournament seed. Um, if we're lucky, if everything goes perfectly fine and everything's amazing, no no injuries, that's our best-case scenario. So with that being said, let this young guy go out there and ball. I mean, he's, he's coming in with all the hype out of college, one of the best prospects. Some may say the best prospect out of this draft class. Hopefully that's the case. Let him play from day one. Don't, don't protect him and let's bring him along slowly. No, 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 no. 
throw him out there. We all want to see him. Let him play. Yeah. Speaking of that, can we get an update on this man's wrist? Like, are we are we healed? Is it not good, healed? Bro. Like, can we get he's good? Can we get an update? Oh, he's good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think how how do you not how do you not like training camp? Obviously, you have to wait for that. Um, with a healthy Markel, with Markel being held out till January, like start the man. Like he's he's your number, you know, fifth pick. Start the man. There's no reason not to. And we're in no position not to. We're we're talking about really wanting to develop our players, really wanting to grow. Uh, how? How? There's like there's no. You can't even explain it. Like what reasoning do you have not to start them? And like I said earlier, not for nothing, but 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 let's be honest. Out of all the guards that we have, Markel included, isn't he top two? Including RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, Markel, Suggs, heck, throw in there Gary Harris if you want to. In my opinion, he's up there. So if he can show it in training camp, he can put up decent numbers in preseason. There's no way you can you can say to this guy, "We'll bring you along slowly. Come off the bench." Like I, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and I think that you know, with with not having Clifford anymore, and it's it's Coach Mosa. I I don't think that we have to worry about that. At least not as much as we used to, because before the fear was, you know, are we going to play the young players because Cliff really wants to play the vets? You know, now we we have a player, uh, uh, excuse me, a coach that wants to really develop the young guys, wants to teach them how to play the NBA game. And I think that there's no better teacher than experience. I agree with the front office when they say, you know, the best way to learn is to have them play in meaningful games. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Do everything you can to try to get there. But if you can't get there, we at least can fall back on that experience for the young guys because they, right. they need to be put in those positions. A prime example, RJ Hampton in Denver, barely no experience. In Orlando, a whole lot of experience. And we are, we've are we already seen development in such a short time span. And I think that that is so important for these young guys that there's really no other way to really do it. You can do that in practices, but practice is really meant to kind of slow everything down, you know, explain things, uh, you know, do another play, talk about errors, watch tape, but in the game is where you put all that together. And I think that, you know, you, you got to do that from the front seat and Jalen Suggs needs to be in the starting lineup. I agree. <clears throat> all right. All right. Good stuff today. Al final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, man, I want to be surprised here over the next week. Again, I keep saying this every week. Give me some new jerseys. Give me some news on Markel. Give me some news on J.I. Um, again, I, gave you, I gave you news on J.I. There's no timetable for his return. I know, but you know, I'm so I'm so waiting for that that video, like the Markel video back in 2019, where they just kind of drop it out there in the 2020, where they kind of just dropped it without nobody expecting it. So I'm hoping for something similar to J- with J.I. Just show me him on the court, working with Coach Mosley, uh, hitting some shots. Like, show me something. I think we, we're due for that. Yeah, we need content, man. There, it's The offseason is at the point where there's really nothing going on. Can we get can we get clips of, like, you know, workout videos? Can we, can we do that? Of Suggs? Franz? Nice. Can somebody else like grow an inch or two like, in the next couple of weeks? Like fans go crazy over that type of stuff. It's important. Let's get we that. Need it. Right. 
All right, man. 18 days left. Training camp. Thank you guys for listening. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.